moment and what a great commissioning as we switch seasons and we enter into a a summer season. It's so great to see that the ministry of our church continues uh, here and throughout the world. You know, just to get us started this morning, sometimes I feel the need to say this in in the midst of a, a worship service or a message. It's okay to have fun in church. Can we have an amen to have fun in church? We're going to get started this morning with a little bit of fun. Some of you may or may not be familiar with the comedy routine from not a generation or maybe a few generations ago of Abbott and Costello, one of the greatest comedy duos of all time. We're going to get started this morning with a quick video sketch from the two of them. Just sit back and enjoy and, well, you'll catch on it. Well, let's see. Now, we have on our team, we have who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. That's what I want to find then, out, the guy's name. And then, uh-huh. That's what I want to find out, the guy's name. I'm telling you, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. Now, Abby, you now, want to be the manager of the baseball team? Yes. You know the guy's names? Well, I should. Well, now, you tell me the guy's names on the baseball I team. I say, who's on first, what's on second, I don't know who's on third. You ain't saying nothing to me yet. Go ahead and tell me. <laughs> I'm telling him. You ain't said nothing yet. Go ahead and tell me. Who's on first? What's on second? I don't know. Is on third. You know the guy's name's on the baseball team? Well, go ahead. Who's on first? Yes. I mean the guy's name. Who? The guy playing first. Who? The guy playing first base. Who? The guy on first base. Who is on first? What are you asking me for? I don't know. Wait a minute. I'm I'm asking you who's on first. That's his name. Well, go ahead and tell me. Who? The guy on first. That's it. That's his name. Well, you ain't said nothing. I ain't asked you nothing. You did. You know the guy's name on first base? Go ahead and tell me the guy's name on first base. Who? The guy playing first base. Who is on first, Lou? What are you asking me for? Now, don't get excited. I'm saying who. I'm asking you a simple question. Who's on first? Yes. Well, go ahead and tell me. That's it. That's who? Yeah. I'm asking you, what's the guy's name on first oh, base? Oh, no. What's on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? One base at a time. Don't mix up my I'm not mixing up anybody. Now, what's the guy's name on first base? No, what is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who is on first? I don't know. He's on third. We're not talking. Wait a minute. Whoa, 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 whoa. How did I get on third base? You mentioned his name. I mentioned his name. Yes. I don't know anybody's name on the team. How could I mention a guy's name? You did. You just mentioned it. All right. What's the guy's name on third base? No, what's on second? Who's on second? Who's on first? I don't know. He's on first. I didn't even mention a guy's name on third base. Yes, you did. All right, then. Who's playing third base? No, who's on first? I'm not asking you what's on first. What's on second? Who's on second? Who's on first? I don't know. He's third base. You do, you mention their names. I do? Sure. You got an outfield? Well, naturally. The left fielder's name. Why? <laughs> I, I, I just thought I'd ask you. I just thought I'd ask you. Well, I just thought I'd tell you. Well, go ahead. Tell me. Tell you what? The left fielder's name. Why? Because I want to know. Because. Oh, he's center field. You know these players as well. Who's in center field? No, who's on first? What's on first? What's on second? I don't know. Third base. <laughs> On the team. Look, Louis, uh, you don't seem to understand. See, I have a first baseman. You, I know you got a first. Gets his, I asked you what's what's the first. I asked you what's the first baseman's name. No, what's the second baseman's name? I, I'm going to start asking you. So I asked you what's the first baseman's name. What's the second baseman? I don't even get past the. First. All right, who's on second? Who's on first? What base do you want to talk about? You talk about anyone you want to talk about. All right, now who's on first? Right. Okay. All right, you got a first baseman. Yes. When you pay off the first baseman every month, who gets the money? Every dollar of it. <laughs> every dollar of it. Who gets it? He does. 
Sometimes his wife comes down and collects it. Whose wife? Yes. <laughs> Why not, Lou? He's earned it. Who did? Yes. <laughs> Look, will you pay off the first base for next month? You get a receipt from the guy? Sure. How does he sign his name? Who? The guy you give the money to. Who? The guy you give the money to. <laughs> Well, that's how he signs it. That's look. how who signs it? Yes. Well, go ahead, tell me. That's it. Who? Who? <laughs> look, you go to first base. Yes. And you say to him, here's your money, sign the receipt. How does he sign his name? Who? The guy you give the money to. That's how he signs it. That's how who signs it? Yes. Sure. <laughs> you gotta get a receipt from the guy, don't you? Get one, Lou. How does the guy on first base sign his name? Who? The guy on first. That's how he signs it. I'm asking. When you give the guy the money, what's the guy's name that you give the money to? Now, wait a minute. Now, what signs his own? Who signs his own? No, who signs his? <laughs> I mean, what's the guy's name on first you give what the money? What is on second? I'm not asking you who's on second. Who's on first? I don't know. Third base. <laughs> the fielder's name, the center field. I don't know. You got a pitcher on the team? Well, this will be a fine team without a pitcher. It's a fine team. The pitcher's name. Tomorrow. Uh, you know, well, I, can't, I, I can't change that name. You don't want to tell me today? I'm telling you. Go ahead, tell me the pitcher's name. Tomorrow. <laughs> Why not tell me today? I I'm going to wait tomorrow. Now. Then tell me the pitcher's name. Tomorrow. All right, what time tomorrow you tell me the pitcher's name? <laughs> what time what? What time tomorrow you going to tell me who's pitching? Who is not pitching? I'll break you around, you see. Who's on first? I want to know what's the pitcher's name. What's on second? I don't know. Third base. Third base. Third base. You got a catcher? <laughs> Certainly you've got a catcher on a baseball team. Catcher's name? Today. Today. Tomorrow's pitching, today's catcher. Now you've got it. Now i got it. All i got, we got a couple of days on the team, that's I all. I can't help that, Lou. I don't You know, I'm, I'm a pretty good catcher myself. And so they tell me. Yeah, now I get behind the plate and I'm going to do some fancy catching and tomorrow's pitching on my team, right? Yeah. Now tomorrow he winds up the ball and I'm behind the plate and the heavy hitter gets up. Yeah. Now a heavy hitter gets up and, he, and he's ready to hit the ball and tomorrow's going to throw the ball and I'm the catcher. Mm. Now I'm going to try, tomorrow throws the ball and the guy that punched the ball. Now, when he punched the ball, me being a good catcher, I'm going to throw the guy out of first base, so I pick up the ball and throw it to who? Now, that's the first thing you've said right. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Well, that's all you have to do. Is to throw the ball at first base. Yes. Now, who's got it? Naturally. Sure. <laughs> Look, the guy is running at first base, yeah. Ivan. I want to throw the guy out. So? So I throw the ball to who? Naturally. <laughs> throw it to who? Naturally. And who's got it? Naturally. Huh. So I pick up the ball and I throw it to Naturally. No, no, no. <laughs> You throw the ball to first base, then who gets it? Naturally. That's it. Now you're sure, missing. Right. I pick up the ball, so I throw it to naturally. You don't. I throw it to who? Naturally. That's what I'm saying! I say I throw the ball to who? Naturally. You ask me. You throw the ball to who? Naturally. Same as you! Say it that I throw the ball to naturally. You don't. You throw it to who? Now who's got it? Naturally. That's what I said. Right. Whoever it is better get it. That's all I can Don't worry about who. Who get it? Yes. He better get it. All right. Throw the ball to whoever it is drops the ball so the guy runs a second. Who picks up the ball and throws the what? What throws the, I don't know. I don't know. Throws it back to Tamar. Triple play. Could be. Another guy gets up and it's a long fly ball to because. Why? I don't know. He's on third and I don't give a darn. I said, I don't give a darn. Oh, that's our shortstop. I mean, <laughs> Okay, so I don't care what generation you grew up in. I don't care if you understand the game of baseball or not. That is perfect comedic timing. One of the greatest comedy sketches of all time. And it is just so much fun to watch those two go back and forth. They do it so seamlessly. They do it so quickly. They, they had done that sketch for years. Uh, just 
show of hands, those of us that are in the room, who had seen that clip before? Oh, good. Okay, a few. It, I, I don't want to ruin it for you because the comedy value of that sketch is, is an all-time classic. So we're going to take the comedy value and we're going to put it up here and we're just going to leave it there. Is that okay? I'm not going to ruin this for you. But for now, I want to take us into a make-believe world where that conversation has nothing to do with comedy, where that conversation actually was supposed to communicate a conversation of truth. That would be a terrible world because those two were just going back and forth in a way that they were speaking the same language and yet they were speaking completely different languages. That was... If that were a real conversation, that would be a comedy of errors and a complete failure of communication. And just in case you were wondering, I'm going to have them put up on the, on the screen here. I'm going to let them have it hang there for a minute. In case it was too fast for you, that's the actual team that was being discussed. You can just take a moment and read that. It was, it was happening so fast that if these two guys had just stopped and listened to one another, that would have gone very, very differently. Now, I don't want to ruin it for you. There's some comedy value that needs to be there, and we're going to keep that there because it's a wonderful sketch. But that sketch also gets us thinking a little bit. It gets me thinking as far as where we've been over the last 17 or 18 months in this pandemic world and how we talk and how we communicate. In some ways, it feels as though we're talking over each other, just like the sketch was. It feels like we're speaking the same language in certain ways in our culture, and yet speaking completely different languages to each other. In some ways, it feels like we've been shouting at each other for 17 or 18 months without any resolution, without any real understanding of what's going on in our worlds, let alone understanding what's happening in the life of another. So today, I want us to focus in and talk about renewing a habit. We're going to learn, we're going to relearn how to communicate, how to talk to one another again. And we're going to use the Bible to help us understand a biblical worldview of how we speak to one another and what it means to be the church. This summer, we're going to bracket the summer, a couple of weeks at the beginning of the summer, we're talking about renewing habits, and then as we close the summer, we're going to revisit this. Renewing habits, and today we're going to focus on talking to one another. You see, in the midst of a pandemic, we have used different methods and different ways in which we communicate. We've had to change. We've had to adapt. It's not been all bad. Some of it's been actually really positive. I think of my entrance into Loudonville Community Church. I came on the staff team here April of 2020. Seems like a lifetime ago. Now, we all remember April of 2020, and I say this uh, with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek here. In April of 2020, that was when we were doing the 15 days of being locked down to slow the curve. We all remember that, right? How 15 days quickly turned into 15 months. My entrance to the staff team here at our church, the the staff meetings that I would run, the, the conversations that would happen with ministry leaders, the people that I was first introduced to here at Loudonville, all happened through technology, through a computer screen. We weren't allowed to come into the building, and we all remember the dynamics of that, and that had set in motion 
different ways in which pastors communicated with their congregations, different ways that businesses were run, different ways that culture happened, even different ways that people received health care, telehealth conferences through Zoom, revolutionized certain ways that we receive medicine. It's been an amazing experience and an experiment of how to communicate in different ways. I kind of mourn a little bit in the sense that I've been here now for over a year and I still have yet to meet a significant portion of our congregation. I look forward to the days when we have an online community here, we have an online campus where I can actually meet some of those folks that are within driving distance. We've had to communicate very differently. And as it is, as I mentioned, it's not been all bad. Right now, through our online campus, or online church, I should say, there are people literally all over the globe worshiping with us at Loudonville. That's remarkable. But I believe that our communication changing has come at a cost as well. There have been some side effects, so to speak, of the way in which communication has changed and the way that we interact with one another. We've become very isolated, haven't we? Doing business together, even extended family that hadn't been able to be together in over a year, all of a sudden you're, you're communicating through a computer screen, but you're isolated in your own home. And for many of us, for all of us, for a period of time, that was with good reason. We've become isolated in the way that we interact with each other and with the world. Our communication sometimes has become impersonal. If you've ever tried to do premarital wedding counseling, premarital counseling through Zoom, it's an experience, I'll tell you that much. It can be done and it has been done, and it will be done again if it needs to be done. But it's impersonal to go to that depth, to go to that level with a couple that you're really trying to pour your life into and and hear from them or prepare them for that moment of marriage, to do premarital counseling through Zoom is impersonal. We had a uh, Bible study that happened here earlier in the spring, went through one blood with John Perkins, and I loved that experience. We had over 100 people in our church every Wednesday night for a period of time, getting online, doing a Zoom call together. I would flip through the screens, and I would look at the faces and the names and match those up in people I still haven't met yet, we were in community with, and then we'd have virtual small groups. But there's an impersonal nature to that, for sure. We've lost a little bit of how to communicate, of how to be in community together. And some of us, just to quickly go into the online world, uh, the social media world, we've become a lot more brazen and brash in our communication. You can sit behind a computer, and with social media, you become a lot more bolder when you can just... Maybe you're a little bit fired up. Maybe you're a little bit on edge, and you can just fire away something on social media, hit that send button, and feel like you're, you know, you're really making a difference in your world, but you can say things to people that you likely will never meet face-to-face. It's a very different world, isn't it? We need to renew the habit of godly speech and godly communication. And I want us today to look at the scriptures and bring us back to a sense of what it means to be the church and how we interact as a church together and what that means for our witness to the world. So we're going to spend a lot of time today in Ephesians chapter 4. 
And I want to invite you to turn there in your Bibles. There's going to be certain sections in Ephesians 4 that I'm going to walk us through. And you're going to see how we're going to renew this habit, not just of speech, not just how we talk and interact together as we move out from a pandemic. But I want us to talk about what it means to be the church together. So let's start at the first verse here in Ephesians chapter 4. Paul is speaking and he's writing this letter to the Ephesian church and he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. You know, before we move on to those next verses, just to, to focus in real quick again, hit that next slide, and you'll see, I don't know if you saw this when we first read it, but there are a few of the fruit of the Spirit. The series that we just walked through that the Apostle Paul is highlighting again as far as what it means to be the church and to walk together in unity as the church. The fruit of the Spirit is not something we learn about for a handful of weeks and then tuck in our memory banks and then move on to other things. We'll see it gets into everything about how we live our lives as Christians. Let's keep reading. Paul says, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Great way to open up this fourth chapter of Ephesians. And the reason why I wanted to highlight this is we renew our habits of how we communicate and how we talk to one another is Paul understands something very important about the church. Paul understands that it is difficult to maintain that unity. You get enough people in a room together for any extended period of time. I don't care if it's a husband and wife, a parent or a child, co-workers or a church. It's tough to maintain that unity. We have to bear with one another in love. We have to exhibit the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul was reminding the Ephesian church of this, but it wasn't just for that one church for that one moment in time. It's for all of us to learn the importance of being one. Of being one in purpose and in spirit and allowing that to be a witness to the world. We are called to be the church. And the Apostle Paul reminds us to live a life worthy of that calling. It's as if he's speaking to Loudonville Community Church and he's reminding us, hey everyone, I know it's been tough. I know we've walked through this pandemic moment and in many regards we still are. But you need to exhibit some patience. You need to bear with one another in love. We need to learn how to communicate all over again. We need to do everything possible to maintain the unity of the Spirit because that's our witness. That's how the rest of the world understands that there's something different about the church. That's how we show the world who Christ is as God's church. Paul understands the importance of this, but he also understands the difficulty in walking this out. Now, We've had this unique season. And just now, week after week after week, we're seeing people regathering here at our church, and we are so thankful for that. As I mentioned, we have an online church that keeps growing and expanding, and we are so thankful for that. 
but this unity, this bearing with one another in love. Uh, Let me just go so far as to say it's not just reserved for the church. It's reserved for our homes as well. It's reserved for our friendships and our workplaces. It's our witness. Now, I know that quality time together draws a family closer together, but let's just say there are some limits to that, right? You spend 17 or 18 months confined in a house together or your own little community together, and we've slowly branched out from that, but you spend enough time confined together, and it's maybe a little challenging to maintain unity as husband and wife. Maybe your patience with your children or patience with your parents has worn thin over these months. Maybe we've walked through not just the pandemic, but we've also walked through one of the most hyper-politicized and hyper-polarizing cultural moments that any of us have lived through. Are you feeling on edge? Are you feeling a little bit like your, your experiences on social media have become stressful instead of peaceful? Instead of just checking up and seeing how your college friends are doing, you're finding yourself dragged into these debates you didn't want any part of, but it's really difficult to maintain that unity. It's difficult to maintain your witness as a Christ follower. We need to relearn these things. The unity of the church is worth it. The unity of husband and wife, the unity of a family, the unity of the being the body of Christ together is worth it. And at least for me, we may, maybe we need a refresher on that. The Apostle Paul in the verses that follow, I'm not going to put all of them up on the screen, but the verses that follow, he goes into a description of some of the gifts of the Spirit. Not an exhaustive list, but he walks us through a little bit of the gifts of the Spirit. He's calling the church to its purpose. He's reminding us that the Holy Spirit, one Lord, one Spirit, one baptism, right? He's reminding us the Holy Spirit has moved in the lives of different members of the body of Christ to draw us together in unity. And then he gets into this in verse 14. Let me read to you. He says, So that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness in deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. The Apostle Paul speaking again to the church here, and he's telling the church, first of all, we need to be unified, we need to be one in purpose. Show the fruit of the Spirit. Bear with one another in love. Recognize that the Holy Spirit has gifted each of us for his purposes. Then we're not going to be like children anymore. Tossed back and forth as in the sea. Paul's challenge to the church, and I want you to hear this for us today, is that we would be built up, that we would grow, that we would be mature in our faith. Not having an infant faith, but having a mature faith that has been tested And a mature faith that understands the role that the Holy Spirit plays in the life of the church as we keep that unity, right? And how? How will we do this? In those verses we just read, 
there's one verse in verse 15 that just stands out as we talk about renewing great habits this morning. We need to speak the truth in love. We're just going to camp out there for a moment. Speak the truth in love. This is how the Apostle Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 4. This is how the church goes from an infant sort of a faith and, and an identity together into being built up, into being mature by speaking the truth in love. How are we doing with this? How are we doing in a pandemic world and coming out from that into a post-pandemic world? How are we doing speaking the truth in love as a church, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our social media profiles, and all the new ways in which we've learned how to communicate together? How are we doing speaking the truth in love? The Apostle Paul is sharing with us that these things need to be held in a balance. You've got truth and you've got love. And let me generalize really quick. This isn't true, of course, this isn't true of Loudonville. Let me just generalize how churches mess this up because this is supposed to be held in a balance together, speaking the truth in love. And there are churches that have their identity where these are not held in balance together. These get out of balance proportionally. Let me just quickly speak to this. There's some churches that are all about love. All about love, there's nothing wrong with that. The churches that are all about love, but they have the truth of God out of balance and out of proportion and almost as an afterthought. What happens when churches are out of balance like this? When all that matters is love and our actions in doing loving things and being loving and accepting. When When that's all that matters and the truth of God, there's nothing anchored to the truth of God. It leads churches down a road of universalism. It doesn't matter what you believe. It doesn't even matter about the Bible, the truth of the Bible. It doesn't matter what creed you follow or even what religion you are. All that matters is love, and love wins in the end after all. And what gets sacrificed? The truth of God. The Apostle Paul's calling us into a balance of this as his church. Speak the truth in love. May we never be a church that is untethered to the truth of God. May we be a church that is, is about love and living that out. A couple months ago, I just preached a sermon on love. as the first fruit of the Spirit. May this church be guided by the love of Christ, but anchored with the truth. May we never be dismissive of that. But then there's another issue that other churches delve into. There are churches that are all about the truth, and love is an afterthought. I'm going to have every right doctrine. I'm going to go into systematic theology. In fact, I'm going to take five volumes of systematic theology and highlight every single thing to make sure that we stand on the truth of God. We got that right. And the love of God is an afterthought. As long as we've got the right doctrine, we're, we're, we're holding true to what God has called us to. And yet there's a dying world out there that needs the gospel of Jesus Christ, that needs to understand that they are a sinner in need of a Savior just like me and just like you. And we dismiss or give lip service at best to the love of God. This leads churches down the road of legalism. May we never be a church of legalism. where We've got all the right teaching and all the right doctrine. We can stand on the truth of the gospel And yet we are devoid of the love of God. That's not the gospel. 
the Apostle Paul calls us to speak the truth in love. But here's the catch. Here's the, here's, here's the point. That is true of the church, but it's also true of us as individuals. As we interact together as members of one body, as we bear with one another in love, as we seek that unity of the spirit that comes through the bond of peace from earlier in this chapter. We need to be people that interact together, speak to one another, speak the truth, but do it in love. How is your online profile doing with that? In this hyper-politicized, polarized moment that we find ourselves in, maybe we need to take a step back and allow our Christian witness to move us forward. Speak the truth in love. Let me just finish a thought from Ephesians chapter 4. As the Apostle Paul finishes his thoughts here, let me read you these verses. Allow these to wash over you. Starting in verse 29. Paul says, Let no corrupt, corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. I'm just going to stop here, verse 31. I'm going to challenge you as I read this. Allow these words to truly wash over you as you, as you take inventory of yourself. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Some of us need to be reconciled to people that we have not spoken kindly of or kindly to. Some of us need to relearn how to communicate together coming out of a post-pandemic world. The modes of communication may have changed and shifted, but as we become more isolated, as our communication has become more impersonal, and in some ways as we become a little bit more bold and brash and brazen, I think a reset is needed for many of us to allow our Christian witness to impact what we say and how we say it and who we're saying it to. You see, we're the church. We are the body of Christ. And there's supposed to be an element, uh, I hope you hear this in Ephesians 4, there's supposed to be an element to our faith walk together as Christians that shines to the rest of the world. No infighting, no slander, no gossip, no anger, no malice, no bitterness, no wrath. That is no place in the body of Christ. And that yet we are at war within ourselves sometimes because that's where our minds go and sometimes that's where our speech goes. 
one more passage of scripture for you. This is from Christ himself in Luke chapter 6. It just reinforces this point. And I'm sorry, I could not avoid the overt reference to, again, the sermon series we just came out of, The Fruit of the Spirit, this time from the words of Christ himself. Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 43. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Say that last part again. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. May that guide us. May that convict us. May that challenge our thinking and maybe challenge the ways in which we have chosen to communicate with each other in the church and allow that witness or lack thereof to impact the lives of those around us in our homes, in our extended families, in our places of work, in our schools, wherever we go. What happens and what comes out of our mouth is a reflection of what's going on inside of us. So I have a few closing thoughts as we begin to wrap up this message today. The first is, well, this is all under the category, really, of renewing a right heart and the right words. I don't just want us to speak better. (laughs) It's not like a New Year's resolution of sorts. As we just heard from Christ himself, Our language reflects what's going on inside of us, so it's really a call to us to renew our hearts. And the first truth that I want us to hear from this is we need to center our hearts. So center your heart on the fruit of the Spirit, and your words will follow. In a way, this message is a great application of where we've just been over these past weeks. Allow patience to guide your conversation. And yes, just... In full transparency, I need to take that advice myself. Allow patience to guide your conversations with others. Bear with one another in love. Paul, the Apostle Paul understood that these things are not easy in the life of the church, nor are they easy in a marriage, nor are they easy as parents relate to their children or children relate to their parents, nor are they easy with your coworkers, If you center your heart on the fruit of the Spirit, your words will follow. Secondly, speaking the truth in love is the mark of a mature church and a strong Christian. We are called to speak the truth in love. And maybe some of you today, the message you need to hear is to get that in better balance. Maybe you've been living your life communicating For a while now, all love and no truth. And that's hurt your witness because it's devoid of the anchor of truth of God. Maybe you've been all truth and no love. And you you can fire off a social media post and be like, yep, I'm right. Let me hit this send button and the whole world is going to know that I'm right. But I've completely abandoned the love of God for my fellow brother or sister. It's the mark of a mature 
church. Let us be a church that is not tossed back and forth. Let us grow together in unity. Let's grow in power. Let's grow in the ways that God has called us to be a congregation of people. Speaking the truth in love. And may we always be a church that stands on the truth of the gospel. But may we also always be a church that extends the love and the grace of God that's been shared and realized in our lives. May we always extend that love, that radical, nonsensical, relentless, powerful, gospel-centered love to those that need to hear it around us. (laughs) And I've said it before and I'll say it again. That love is unconditional, that agape love, that first fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't matter who that person that you're in front of, it doesn't matter who they voted for in the last election, it doesn't matter if they look like you or dress like you, it doesn't matter if they wear a three-piece suit on a sunny morning or not, it doesn't matter if they have a good singing voice or not a good singing voice. It doesn't matter what their theology is. It doesn't matter where they were born or what culture they were raised in. It doesn't even matter if they are a Christ follower yet. We are called to love. Speak the truth in love. It's the mark of a mature church and strong Christians. Third, always remember the words that Christ spoke to us. Says the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. I'm just going to let that sit there and wash over us today. And finally, number four, when we build up others with our speech, our witness to the world is strengthened. This is one of the primary windows that the world gets to understand the heart of a Christ follower. How can people see your heart? Well, Christ told us it comes through in what you say and, for the record, how you say it. So coming out of this pandemic moment that we've found ourselves in, and as each week as more and more people come and they regather and we build this church again and we build a sense of community again and we move from maybe Zoom Bible studies into in-person Bible studies and as discipleship happens in different ways again and as we reconnect with families some of you are going to take summer vacations that you wanted to take last year and weren't able to as we re-engage with life let's not forget the importance of how we speak to one another and how we build each other up instead of tear one another down as a church let us maintain that Unity that the Apostle Paul calls us to. The bond of peace. Let's bear with one another in love again. And let's show the radical grace of God that's been marked in our lives. May we share that with others. Yes, by our actions, but also by what we say and how we say it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the gift of your word and for the gift of words. The speech that comes from our lips originates in our heart. And God, as people that have been transformed by the radical grace of God, I pray for us that we would be people that build each other up with our words. Lord, protect this church. May we maintain that unity that comes through the Holy Spirit that can only come through the Holy Spirit. Lord, would you teach us again how to bear with one another in love? 
May that start with us as individuals. And may that move into our homes, into our workplaces, into our schools. And may that define us as a church. And Father, would you build this church up, strengthen us, so that we can speak the truth and love to one another. And that that would shine as a witness of your power to the rest of the world. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And let's stand and worship.